beyond excited to announce that I have partnered up with Magimix for this season of Crazy Sexy Food. As the inventor of the food processor, Magimix is a family-owned business that has an amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances and are cherished and adored all around the world by both chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. Fast forward to today and my beautiful Magimix cook expert is literally the most used appliance in my kitchen. This latest innovation is both a food processor and multi-cooker in one machine. It's a game changer for me and it's such a dream to use. I think of it as my personal sous chef. I give it all the hard work to get on with so I can focus on more interesting jobs like tasting, flavouring and serving up delicious meals. And don't even get me started on their ice cream machine, the gelato expert. It makes ice cream to rival even the best Italian delicacies. Oh, and if that isn't enough, come September, they're launching a new range of blenders. Fancy getting your hands on one of their products? Then use my code CSFMAGIMIX for a 15% discount at magimix.co.uk. Follow Magimix UK on social, download their brilliant app for hundreds of delicious recipe ideas and see how the amazing Magimix can become your personal sous chef in your kitchen too. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career and their favourite tastes along the way. Today I'm joined by Cloda McKenna, the Irish chef best known for her time on This Morning as their resident chef. Her numerous cookbooks, eight and counting I believe, she has fronted several food programmes and regularly appears on the Today Show in the USA. She's global baby. I have Cloda over at mine today in my kitchen, I spruced it up for her of course, and I cannot wait to pick her brain over food, life and everything Irish. Cloda, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here in your lovely oh, kitchen. Oh, thank you. How are you? You've just come from the studios, and by studios we obviously mean this morning, yes. ITV. Yes. Exciting. Yeah. What I were you cooking this morning? So this morning I was doing um, bruschetta, so I did it two ways. Mm. I did one which was the classic with um, heritage tomatoes and oregano and balsamic and olive oil, and then the other one I did... I um, pan-fried peaches with um, our own honey and rosemary and butter and then had it with ricotta. And then later on in the show, I made a chocolate biscuit cake. I may or may not have seen that. (laughs) I may or may not be wanting to make that recipe. (laughs) So I always start my conversations with asking, what did you have for breakfast today? I know you had an early start, but... So yeah, so I have a lot of early starts because we have a farm. So my main title is farmer, and I'm oh, really proud of it. I love that. We'll <laughs> get onto I'm that farmer. in a bit. Um, so I have very early starts every morning because we're up leaving the chickens out and ducks and feeding them and um, counting cows and everything that goes with it. Um, so this morning, um, I had a green juice from the garden. So I just pulled some chard. I pulled some celery, flat leaf parsley, mint, um, a cucumber, I put an apple in and a half a banana Ooh, and I whisked it up. Grown. Yeah, except oh. for the banana. 
Uh, and the yeah, apple. I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, isn't that so lovely to be able to just like walk out of your house and just pick up all the bits that you need from your garden? Yeah. I, that's the only issue that I have, obviously, with like living in London, um, that I can't really do that. I mean, my sort of repertoire extends to maybe having like a rosemary plant and, you know, that might be it. But I do aspire to that at some point in my life. <laughs> So um, I just have to say, aside from obviously loving having you here today, I am like the biggest This Morning fan. Are you? And I do watch it religiously. Oh, wow. The only reason I didn't watch it this morning was because I was actually recording another podcast. But had I been home, I would have been sitting on that sofa <laughs> watching you on my TV. And my biggest dream, I'm just going to put it out there, is to get on This Morning somehow, <laughs> some way. I don't know. Even if I'm in the background just saying hi... I feel like you're the person that might be able to do it for me, but we'll work that out once we become best friends. It's fine, it's fine. So I want to just take it back a bit. You were born and raised in Cork in yes. Ireland. Yeah. I want to know what life was like growing up. Who was cooking? Uh, what was on the table? Yeah. Was food important? Kind of paint the whole picture for us. Um, so I grew up in the countryside in Ireland um, and life from a very young age was like playing in fields and woods and um you know it was the 70s in Ireland so there wasn't like an awful lot going on so we kind of really had to kind of just be like adventurous on the kind of outside in the fields mm. I literally started picking potatoes in fields when I was I think I was nine or ten used to get 50p for a bag wow um and I used to do it with my brother and I love it. I look back at those times and we'd like jump onto the back of the the tractor at the end of the day and we'd get a lift all the way back home. We'd be hanging onto the back of the tractor. I mean, they were such wild, free, carefree days. They were amazing. Um, my mom was the cook. Um, when we were growing up, we used to do baking every Saturday morning. And it was like, I loved that baking because it wasn't baking for pleasure, which is also really lovely. Mm. It was like baking for necessity. So it was like a big list that was drawn up and it was like okay you have to get you know four soda breads made um this made health loaf made this the rock buns and what so on and so on and my sisters were like little i little what would you call little elves yeah my mother's little kitchen the little elves. sous chefs in the kitchen <laughs> in the kitchen and i'd be kind of kind of sitting on the side kind of you know breaking an egg or whatever but um I loved it I've got I've got such amazing memories of that smell on a Saturday morning like a siren in the house oh. you know with that wafting and it always makes me feel like home so mm. like I love having a bread in the oven because it always just brings me home I think it can really turn a house into a home when you start totally. baking your own bread yeah. um and so that was my memory and then at a very young age then when I was 12 I did a French exchange with a French family and um, who I'm still in contact with and oh, wow I yeah, love that and um I just fell in love with them they became my, my second family and yeah it was a real wonderful meeting um and she was a stay-at-home mom my mom used to work so it was out all day long and so was my dad but this French lady was a stay-at-home mom and she was an amazing cook and so I used to spend every summer I went there first for two weeks and then I ended up going back every year for six weeks um and and I just learned so much from her um making my first ever pasta seeing my first ever Gratin de Finoise and like this was coming from like rural you know I was gonna potato say, yeah and also know, sort of driven. if you think about the time frame you're saying this was sort of 70s going into the 80s I would assume yeah. and like I can't imagine you were 
like some of the flavors you were eating in France, you probably weren't used to in Ireland. Exactly. Like garlic. Yeah. I mean, so that's just so simple now. No, it's every it's bit true. of cooking. But those flavors mm. were just so exciting and tasting like, oh my God, what's that cheese? It's not cheddar. Is there is there another cheese that's not cheddar? <laughs> is cheddar like not cheese? Is there like, what are you talking about? And then like seeing Gruyere and Parmesan and everything for the first time. It was so exciting. And yeah, and I just, so I kind of had that kind of upbringing of, rural kind of very work-orientated country living and then and then this lovely kind of like French escape in this in the in the summertime I got really really lucky with that those French Mm, family because I got it kind of opened my eyes to what else was out there and they were so exciting and um they were hippies um in the nicest way quite glamorous hippies yeah and um and and uh, yeah she was so glamorous I used to just love watching her I I would not leave her side and she just loved it she loved the attention I gave her I love that Um, so just bringing it back to Ireland if you could kind of like mention one or two dishes that you think define your childhood what would they be Ooh, um my mom's Irish stew I mean hands down and my mom's apple tart okay um she used to make it on a plate okay and that was like the old traditional way of doing them how did you Um, do that so instead of putting it on, um, what would you put an apple apple tart on, like an apple tray yeah. or whatever, um, you put it on a plate. And okay. if a plate is china, it won't break because they are sealed um, at a very high heat. So they can actually go into the oven. So my mother would just do it on a plate. Oh, wow. And she would roll it out, you know, like, you know, hand, obviously handmade, all the pastry and everything. And then, you know, roll, I just had this picture of her in her apron rolling it out on the kitchen table the pastry on the kitchen table popping onto the plate putting all the lovely apples and the sugar on it and then with a fork pinching down the yeah. sides and then her cutting around the side of the plate and eating all I was just like to eat all the trimmings of it and she'd have sprinkled caster sugar everywhere all over the apple tart and I'd be just like pastry and trying to get a little <laughs> bit of caster sugar at the same time <gasps> Oh, I love that I taste. I love that. Buttery pastry, raw. Oh my God, delicious. I mean, <laughs> I, I can kind of identify. I wasn't eating raw pastry, but I, for some reason, used to be obsessed with raw pasta. Really? And my mother used to tell me off. She used to, we used to have this thing in my house called favorite pasta and she'd always make it on a Thursday night. And it was just like penne pasta with a, like a tomato sauce and she'd sort of rip up fresh mozzarella and sort of get it melted inside. And there were other bits and pieces. But I would love eating the raw pasta and she'd be like Hannah this is like she was always like it's gonna give you a bad tummy sometimes it may have if I'd eaten a few more but I used to, I, and sometimes when I'm cooking pasta I'll like take a little bit of the spaghetti and eat it. oh my god <laughs> isn't it this these weird little things that you do when you're a child yeah so kind of fast forwarding it a bit you then went um and you attended the prestigious um is it the Ballymillow Ballymillow um cookery school now for people that may not know it is this kind of like the cordon bleu of Ireland is is like talk about this place because I've heard it mentioned a few times yeah um and it sort of has a very incredible reputation yeah it's it's amazing it's one like the best cookery school um in the world I don't know like maybe 10 times okay. like there's nothing kind of it's very hard to compare it to anywhere because it is this amazing big it's very different to cordon bleu okay um cordon bleu is very classically changed yeah, in french cooking. technical and yeah this is different you do get all the techniques here as well okay 
but um, it's also all about growing seasonality, sustainability, um, you know, everything that a farm would encompass and how you can take that and bring it into your own life. So really proper understanding about food and growing um, and the soil as well as all the techniques as well. So it's quite an intense, exhausting course because it is full on. It's like there's a lot going on, a lot to learn. So I did the course there and then I went on and did my three-year training there as well at Ballymaloo House. Um, and it's everything is farm to fork. So they have everything from their own dairy there. They make their own butter, their own cheese, their own smokehouse. Obviously grow their own vegetables, hens, chickens, everything, pigs, everything, you name it. Where it's is like, it in Ireland? It's in Cork. So where okay. I grew up. So, I mean, gosh, like you're, because it's funny because you're talking about a place that's been around for years and years, decades, and you're talking about sustainability and farm to fork, which is for a lot of people suddenly like the buzzword nowadays. Yeah. So actually a lot of people have been uh, taught all of this for so long. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame in a way that now we're sort of being drilled in our heads which it should have been done years ago you know yeah. about food waste and sustainability and eating seasonally so I that that's what I really like about it is that yeah. it wasn't like cordon bleu which is also just great and serves its own purpose you were actually uh being taught a, a knowledge that is well sustainable that's going to take you through life in a yeah. different way well, it's a different approach and I guess in a it's sense a, yeah it is a very different approach and I definitely have there's like a big difference between me and another chef do you know what I mean that it'd be the cordon bleu chef absolutely and me. we're so yeah. different in how we you know I think and I'm just all focused on the produce like mm. is it the best tomato mm. if it's not the best tomato it's not going to be the best dish or mm. you know that's how I or it, I have a completely different approach to food and in, in drilled in me um and and I think that the whole sustainability and you know eco-aware and green kind of living it it's such a huge subject that there is and there's so much to learn that even I'm still learning mm-hmm. as well like and it takes all of us just a lot it's a lot to learn mm-hmm. and there's a lot of change to be made you know to really kind of start living you know green I mean I have a small sustainable farm and it's you know I literally spend you know I, I people are like so rested after the weekends I come into this morning on a Monday and I'm like oh my god I'm so glad to have a break from the farm I'm exhausted <laughs> you know literally you get yeah. just exhausting like everything takes longer um and I think that there is just so much more there's so much information out there that it's hard for you know I just started this new online series I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube called or a little sustainable farm and I'm really trying to kind of like really kind of break it down in very gentle ways slowly throughout every week like just adding in bits all the time because there's so much information out there that it's quite hard to um, understand everything you know or how do you do it yourself how can you start growing can you keep chickens you know what mm. I mean that's just a whole world no and I, and I think that's really exciting and, and I think very needed what you're doing with that series because it can be quite overwhelming. You know, yeah. we're all here in the food world. We know what we're like, we know somewhat of what we're talking about, but there's a lot of people out there who aren't. Yeah. And 
don't want it it's the approach yeah right? you don't want to scare people and then be like oh no no I'm not gonna be able to make a difference you know yeah. it's about the fact that the small little things do make a difference exactly um and and to start bit by bit exactly Rome wasn't built in well exactly we're not asking you to just suddenly like be all sort of green and sustainable in one day I mean you know yeah. we, we all have you know our bit to do so I guess you sort of, you go, you sort of finish your course there. And I, I assume that was it. That was your pathway and food was yeah. your journey. And sort of how, uh, instead of like trying to like fast forward, talk about sort of the journey from sort of cookery school to, well, I guess kind of like present day, you know, okay. you sort of written recipe books and now you're on TV and... So when I, when I was at Balnamilu still... There was a local farmer's market started called the Middleton Farmer's Market. And it was the kind of the first of like three or four farmer's markets in the whole of Ireland. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to get a stall there. I want to start like making and creating for the stall. So I did that. And then I decided to leave Ballymaloo. I'd done three years and I was like, OK, I've done enough there. I'm now I'm going to leave and I'm going to have my own stall at the farmer's market. And it felt like there was this really big food revolution starting. Um, and so I decided to start opening up farmers markets around Ireland. So I spent three years on a project opening up and running farmers markets, um, as well as having my own stalls there. And then while I was there, I sat, I, I set up um, Slow Food Ireland with a couple of other people and ran it and did like really big events where you could kind of meet the maker. So like I did one weekend where we closed down the whole village town and the whole town became a whole farmer's market and every every single restaurant in the town, it was quite amazing, every single restaurant in the town did only local produce on their wow. menus and then we did little buses where you could jump on the bus and you could go and spend a day making cheese or you could go a day spend making butter or you could go a day with a dairy farmer and it was all just all different things and so that's what I dedicated like three or four years to and then um Rick Stein was filming um his heroes he did a whole program on yeah. heroes and then he arrived at the farmer's market and then they wanted me on the show as a hero so I was like very excited and this is um, Ireland's finest yes Ireland's <laughs> finest I was so nervous I'd never done television before and then I remember the producer David he was like saying just put your hands in your back pocket so I put my hands in my back pocket as I was talking to Rick and I was only like 25 years old so I'm now 47 so it's like a long time ago 22 years ago and I put my hands in my back pockets and I was telling him then I just forgot and I got so passionate about farmers markets and everything that was happening and it literally um, snowballed for me from then. Um, I got offered a television series straight away after that piece, um, my own series about what I was doing at farmers mm -hmm. markets. So I did that for RTE in Ireland, Sir Kilman BBC, and then I got bought off, bought, bought up by um, PBS in America and they made it into one very big series and then that became a huge success. Mm. And then I got the Today Show from there where I was a resident chef on the Today for, for years. And then in between that, then I just started writing books. And yeah, I feel very fortunate to be writing books. So I've been, yeah, writing books. And then I went to live in Italy because I felt like I needed to learn more about food. Okay. Um, and really just learn more about like a really big food culture. So I went and lived in Italy and worked at the Slow Food University there and visited... Wow 
all the different producers from all around the farmers all around the country for three years and then I came back to Ireland and set up my own restaurants had them for seven years and then I was like I'm exhausted (laughs) I need a break I need to stop for a little bit and so I moved to London and I started just doing suppers in my house and um, writing for the Evening Standard every week. And I just wanted some time just to kind of really, I was going so fast all the time, literally from the age of, I don't know, maybe when I did my first TV, like 25, I just did not stop. Mm-hmm. I was doing series after series, like every other year and, and all the PR that goes with that and all the books Still it's relentless. My work. It was relentless. Yeah. And then flying back to New York. Yeah. And it was exhausting. Mm. And then I had the restaurants. I had three restaurants. And it was just exhausting. And I just wanted a break. And I felt like I was kind of losing my connection with mm. food. And mm. I just wanted a break. Mm. And I just wanted to cook at home. And so I literally cooked at home. And then I opened my doors because I needed to pay the rent. <laughs> I didn't have like the, I wasn't able to afford just to cook at home. So I had to open up my doors and let people come in and eat the food I was cooking. And I did. And it was amazing, actually. This was when I first moved to London. I had a little coach house. And people traveled from, like people traveled from Canada and everything. Wow. Yeah, it was really really crazy. I felt such pressure when people were booking and their notes were like, we're coming in from Canada. I'm like, oh God, no, don't. (laughs) Are you crazy? (laughs) Don't do it. Um, and yeah, it was a really lovely time. And then I moved to the countryside about four years ago and we had this plot of land, a uh, hundred acres and, and kind of slowly but surely in the, over the past four years, we turned it from something that had, there was nothing growing there, wow. like nothing. Everything was falling down. It was quite a depressing spot. I mean, I had a vision in my head of what mm. it was going to be, and it wasn't that vision. <laughs> it was like, you know, going along. <laughs> That's what it was like, the right. original story. Okay. It was like, oh my God, where's the lovely English country garden? And where's the lovely cottage? Oh, it's behind all this dead ivy. Okay. Lovely. But I need to sort out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we put all of our energy into that for in the last four years. And now it's, it's, I'm so proud of it now. I'm so proud of it. We have, um, a full working vegetable and fruit garden. Um, and we have, we make all our own, all our own honey. We have five beehives and we've cattle. So we've just got our first beef back from the butcher. So we now have all our own beef. Um, and we have chickens and we have ducks. We've got cutting gardens. Um, and I've just started the build on our pickling, fermenting and smokery. Oh, that's a bit of me. Is it? Yeah, oh, I, yeah. Love I love pickle. anything fermented, pickled, yeah. all of that stuff. <laughs> that's so exciting. Yeah, it's so exciting. And it's also kind of quite lovely that you've come round full circle because you've had that childhood sort of yeah. as a kid in the farm and sort of yeah. living that super free and sort of that life that a lot of kids today will never understand because they're growing up in inner cities and I mean I didn't get that life at all you know it was like if you go outside I need to watch you in case you know something happens to you or whatever yeah um and now you're running your own farm yeah and it's it's just so lovely I want to just pick up on one of the shows that you did do which was Cloda's um Irish food trails oh yeah because that um that sort of allows me to kind of talk to you about Irish food yeah um and sort of the culture and the history of it. I mean, obviously, we all know, like, some of the Irish staples. You've already mentioned a couple of them. My personal favourite being soda bread is one of yes. the best things that ever 
happened to the world. But for people that may not, yeah. can you kind of explain Irish food, what it's all about, um, and sort of how it's evolved over the years? So, yeah, Irish food when I was growing up was all about, you know, the kind of, I guess, the the cheaper cuts and um, quite similar to Jewish cooking. Oh, okay. Like I've, I'm, I love Jewish cooking and I've eaten in a lot of Jewish houses. My dad's Jewish, so we, we grew up on a lot of Jewish food. Yeah, I know I what you that. mean, actually. Yeah, now a I'm lot thinking... of pickling and, yeah. and a lot of smoked food. Yeah. A lot of salted food. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and the tradition on a Friday, always at home around yeah. the table. Like, if I didn't have dinner at home on a Friday night, I'd be... I'd be a bit put out. Yeah. Um, but there's a real tradition around the table and and also the lesser cuts and um, the very, very similar um, culture. Yeah, just very similar culture in so many different ways. Like I fit into a Jewish house very, very well. <laughs> Honestly, I do. I remember when I first moved to London and I was out for a walk with a friend and she we bumped into a friend of hers who was like from in a very um committed jewish family and and i was like oh please i'd love to come visit your house and she's like just come now and oh, so amazing. i came and i spent the day and i literally didn't leave until that night and they were like all going why are you leaving <laughs> it was just brilliant it was brilliant and um, i know do you know what there, there were there were some jewish uh dishes that i are just not for me but because there's sort of two parts of judaism and there's sort of the the very Eastern Eastern European food. So that's kind of more what you're talking about. And then there's yeah. the other side, which is sort of like your Israeli food. And, yeah. you know, oh, it's just so good. But so sorry, good. back back to, yeah, back so to this historical of, um, lots Irish of slow, food. Lots of slow cooking. Um, lots of soups, stews, um, roasts. Yeah, a lot of meat. <laughs> a lot of different meats. Um, and... And then, yeah, the baking. The baking is really big in Ireland, like the baking of the bread. So like the soda bread. I always make soda bread um, at home. And I have done for years and years and years. And tea bracks. Um, What's tea bracks? Um, tea is when you get um, dried fruit and you soak it in tea overnight. And then you make it into, it's like a savory sweet bread. Wow. With cinnamon and nutmeg in it. Ooh. Oh my God, I'll send you a recipe. Gosh, it's so good. Delicious. It's so good toasted with butter oh my gosh yeah it's so good and then over the years then how Irish food has just developed so much because it's just like during the time I was telling you about that farmer's market this was this whole amazing kind of food revolution Mm. happened in Ireland and all of these amazing producers started and it's always that isn't it it's the farmers and the producers the ones that make amazing interesting foods and ingredients and grow ingredients and all that it's them that create the food culture because if there's not them there, their food culture isn't yeah. created, you know, because the chefs have nothing to mm, cook with. They're yeah. cooking with stuff coming in from abroad or not so great ingredients and they're not inspired and all the rest. So they are the, like, they are the, the for foundation me, they're the, of it all. They're the yeah. heroes all yeah. the time, all the time. They're the heroes. Um, and, and I do think that we, especially in this country, I think we need to hero farmers more, I think, you know especially now there's so much depression there's so much suicide within farmers around the country and the uk and we just we need to hear them no farmer bashing (laughs) here we go here we go so i mean in terms of like sort of the like the food scene in ireland now how would you say that's kind of like sort of developed over the years because i mean obviously there's there's a lot of you know very well-known irish chefs coming out of ireland now and 
you know, I assume you still go back. Yeah, I'm um, back every you know, three what's weeks. Up to- <laughs> I know, I can't, you can't take me out of there. I love that. Um, you know, what, what's it like over there at the moment? So it's amazing now. I mean, it's, the, the appreciation for our seafood is fantastic. Mm. Everybody's turned towards the sea you know, over the past 20 years, which is fantastic. So like the seafood, like one of my favorite things about Ireland is going into a pub in like a seaside town, like a fishing village, going into a pub, having a pint of Guinness, soda bread and fresh crab. Um, you know that's local from the sea and maybe a big pot of like they'll have like homemade mayonnaise or aioli to go with it that is like for me is heaven yes and there is like there there is I mean that is Ireland for me and how it's going and the appreciation for that kind of food the cheeses that are Mm. being produced in the west of Ireland are exceptional the oysters the smoked fish like the smoked eel and smoked mackerels and smoked salmons all around Ireland are so amazing and then the chefs, I mean, all the kind of the bigger restaurants are all predominantly in Dublin, which mm-hmm. is kind of quite far away from where all the big producers are. Um, and there are some amazing restaurants there. But still, my favorite thing to do when I go to Ireland is that pub experience yeah. or fresh oysters, like Carlingford oysters. You know, going to Ireland, you want seafood, you want those lovely pubs, you want that atmosphere, you want the warmth. So Ireland is all about that all together mm. you know what I mean mm, no totally and also you know you you talk about the fact that you're going to literally have a pint of Guinness a piece of bread and some and some some seafood or whatever the simplicity yeah. of it yeah and for me simple food is delicious because it's from the source yeah right like that crab is from down the road the bread has been made in the kitchen at the back and that is why it just works like it doesn't need to be complicated no and that's what I love it's really good food for your soul and um, probably if you had a different chef on that was that kind of cordon bleu chef but that's a but that's just a different would be saying about the restaurants in Dublin so it's like that's what I love but 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 I'm a bit bit of you I'm kind of like you know yes it's nice to have something a bit complicated and fancy but really and truly when it actually comes down to it yeah, what you've just said has made me salivate more than thinking about you know a, a recipe with twenty five thousand ingredients. Yeah, so, you know, it's just like there's a lot going on. So, kind of like bringing it back to your books, I've always been quite interested in this process of um, cookbook writing. Yeah. Um, so, for again, you know, this is for people of people who may not know much about food to this podcast, and some people who love their food and know everything. Um, Talk about how you write a cookbook because there's obviously influence somewhere and then there's there's the sort of uh, the part of it where you're recipe testing, which I always find quite interesting. Dissect how that all works because it's not as simple as just, oh, I've just thought of a recipe, I'm just going to write it down. It works in my kitchen, so it must work for everyone else. Yeah. I assume you've kind of got to work with different elements, so whether it is you have a gas hob, electric hob um yeah sort of just explain that um yeah I mean first of all it, it depends on the level of your cooking I mean not the level of your cooking but where you are at I think in your food writing so like for example with me because I'm eight book in and I'm um you get given a lot more support in all okay. of that and the recipes have to be right like yeah. there is no there's no room for you error. can't put out a book and the recipes not be wrong and you learn that like you know my first recipe book I'm not sure there were many people testing them but they worked <laughs> in my kitchen but now these ones like all oh, my last books you know the last whatever five books yeah I mean they are like tested yeah. out there 
yeah in every way so basically how it happens I when I'm doing a book I will kind of dedicate I guess about three months of just like my normal time of when I'm like in the evening coming you know trying to think of like during the day so I might be all of a sudden finished this morning and I've got 15 minutes and I would have seen something or been in the kitchen thinking oh I need to try a recipe out instead of doing it that way with another way and I put mm. it down or I just I, I mean I have a notebook with me all the time where I'm constantly writing down just recipe ideas um and then every night then because I cook at home every night because we're in the middle of the country there are like there are no restaurants around so I cook at home every night and then I'll just cook cook different dishes every night um I'll cook them up every night and then I'll kind of like wickle it down and then I'll think okay that one didn't work that one worked that one didn't work and then I'll keep on going keep on going but I'll do it intensely for three months and then from there then I pick my favorite dishes I get I sent those into my publisher and they might say actually 70 percent of them sound good those 30 don't and you need actually more to be balanced on more vegetables in there and this and here and that in there and then I'll go back to the drawing board again and it takes about a year to really between that three months of intensity and then going on and on and on and then mm. coming back and adding and subtracting and the back and forth it takes about a, a year altogether to come up with those it's quite a long time actually dish. when you think about it I mean you even though you have that three months of sort of intense writing thinking jotting down testing yeah. and then sort of the back and forth of them saying yes, maybe no to those ones, then going back to the drawing board, trying to create some others. It's yeah. quite it's quite a process. So that would be a year. Yeah. And then after that then then it goes from being a year then into we'll say the next year then. So pr- probably two years in total, because then oh, the next gosh, year then okay. would be um getting them all tested so we bring on I bring on a home ec person who will take them and test them all and then I'll come back and say well that didn't work in my oven and actually would you have thought of maybe adding in chickpeas instead of Mm. I'm getting my dinner prepped for later I thought I'd impress (laughs) or you know all these kind of like different (laughs) all these different notes written down you know all these things and then that just all takes a little bit of time as well and then there's the photo shoot which is my favorite thing. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds like the fun part. That's the fun part. Yeah. That's about a week prep before that because I always style my own books. Do you? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and then the shoot then usually takes about three or four weeks. Three, and then, three or four weeks shooting the book? Yeah. Yeah. My gosh, that's... A, well, in minutes. Are you... So are you, are you shooting every day? Yeah. Wow. So in minutes, which I brought you, is 120 recipes. Every single every single dish is photographed. Uh, so you're averaging how many recipes a day? So you'd be I guess averaging it depends on the recipe. three weeks. I say three weeks divided by 120 is 40. So you're averaging eight dishes a day. Wow. That's a lot. That's intense. Like to cook and yeah. get photographed and style and everything. Um, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at her cookbook and I'm getting very excited. That's my homework tonight. Um, and then you get all the drafts. So then you can you create the book. Yeah. Then you've got to write up all the recipes perfectly, and then all of the proofs come back. Mm. And that then that's when it can get kind of exciting. The first proof, not because there's so many mistakes in there, and you've got to read over it. And Harry is my proof reader. Is he? So he is really brilliant um, at reading and English and writing right. and everything. So he um, so he does all the proofreading, 
and then I have somebody else who does all of the recipe testing. She, I, I kind of like get her to do it professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it's about three month process of that. And then when it comes out, then it's like, but this one on the day that it came out was the number one on Amazon. Hey. in the UK my first ever UK Amazon congratulations hit. to that it was so exciting but that's really interesting so basically so what I, what my PSA for this is make sure everyone that you go out and still buy cookery books obviously you've got to buy Clodas first but the point is is that it's not as simple as just like this took three months to make you know whatever and be frivolous these are actually I find them very beautiful having yeah. a cookbook yeah. for me it's like you know whether it's the words in it or you know the, the, the bits that are within the recipes and, and yeah. sort of you know you always uh, like it depends obviously on who's writing the cookbook some people are very word heavy and you know like to write a lot and maybe yeah. there's not as many recipes or but I just think they're I find them magical and I grew up with them with my mum so I just uh, that's a really interesting to hear the process, it process. Was, it's a lot longer than I thought it was so. some people do them really fast yeah some people can do them really fast and I just can't no um I guess probably because I've got lots of other things or other stuff going on but some people are just she's just busy being fabulous on tv oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but some people are really fast at doing them I, yeah. I know friends who like who can do them so much faster really? than I can I'm just a slow burner I think that's okay. Work yeah. at your own pace. Yeah, I don't mind good. actually. No, no, you're fine. You're number one on Amazon. What's the problem? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of TV, you were recently on Cooking with the Stars yeah. and you won. Yes. <laughs> um, so talk um, talk to me about that. How was that experience? You were mentoring Dr. Um, Rand. Rand. Tell me everything. I watched snippets of it. Amazing. Um, it was so good. He, um, Dr. Ranch was so lovely. And he, yes, I was his mentor. And so I basically had to train him how to cook. He didn't know how to fry an egg. Really? Yeah. And it was like, I'll never forget the first day after the first day of training. <laughs> and I came out of the kitchen going like, oh my God, I had no idea. I had no idea. Like, I, I knew he wouldn't know that they wouldn't know much, but I just had no idea. And I was like, how am I going to get him ready so that he can actually be in a studio up against the the chef? And then I was like, and then all of a sudden, then when you hear to the whispers, oh, Jean-Christophe Novelli one is doing very well and (laughs) Jack Steins is doing really well. And I know, and then you hear all these other chefs who you're, you know, your your peers and all the doing so. And I was just like, all of a sudden I was just like, come on. Yeah. And I literally pulled him aside one day and I'm like, listen, I want to win this. And he was like, okay. I was like, no, you need to pull up your socks. I was like, I'll do extra time with you if you want to. I love it. We'll do after hours. Amazing. But you've got to pull up your socks. I'm not wasting my time here. Come on, let's do this. And it was literally like, I literally changed my tune within one. Wow. Well, look, the proof is in the pudding. I don't say that. No. <laughs> That's the truth. He'll tell you. That's the truth. That's I literally so changed great. my tune. was like, if I'm going to be spending all this time. Damn right. Let's like, yeah. I'm We're gonna, doing I want a female chef to win this. Absolutely. <laughs> And probably, you know, a little bit of competitiveness. I know that I'm super competitive. I don't lose. I don't like to lose. I'm a sore loser. And that's that. Yeah. I'm not actually that competitive. Really? Oh, that's why no. everybody was so shocked. Oh, God. No, 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 no. If I'm doing anything like that, I am there to win. Oh, that's it. Even when we were there in the competition, the studio, and all the guys were like, oh, Chloe, you're right. <laughs> you know, and the rest inside, I was just like fire in my belly. And I'm like, oh, where is this coming from? I think it's because I was away from home doing it. Yeah. So I had to be away from all the animals and my husband and everybody. And it was like a 
really intense mm. few weeks. How many weeks were you filming? So um, all in all was five. Wow. Um, so it was, yeah, quite, you know, everything gets chopped down, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. One little I, bit. Literally. And that took like two days to film. Yeah. Um, it was like a long process. And I just thought, yeah, if I'm going to be away from everybody and... Make and it was this, exciting. Make this worthwhile. Yeah, it was exciting <laughs> to see him develop, you that's, know? I, that's to what I was going to say. Can... But you did that. That's, I mean, he did it as well. But that's, he did it. You know, he but, really but did. it was under your guidance. He was brilliant. He worked very, very hard. And he has this amazing memory. I think it's because he's a student. Mm. Like, he's a, you know, he studied medicine. Mm. So he's got an incredibly trained mind. So he can memorize things. And I forget the first time. And I was like, okay, repeat now. Repeat to me verbally what I just said to you. And he was like... Okay, you said mix the cream in. Be careful. And he literally, word for word, verbatim. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I mean, my face was just like, ah! okay, I found the way. I found the way how we can do That's this. So good. You can memorize oh, things. Wow. Okay, so you're just going to memorize, start memorizing. What I'm thinking in here, I'm going to start saying it verbally. Brilliant. And that's how we're going to win. Uh, so, well, at least you figured out your method. He is really, he is so clever. He's a really clever man. Really clever. I mean, he could turn his hand to anything. Oh, yeah, well, I'm genuinely. so I'm so happy that I have a winner in the house. So <laughs> congratulations. Sort of reining it back in. Um, where are some of your favourite restaurants to go? Um, Trulo. Oh, I love Trulo. Yes. Um, obviously, the River Cafe. Yes. I, do, I love the River Cafe. Um, where else? Um, Hackett's Pub in Skull. Yes. I know, we're jumping from London to that's there. That's okay, please. We're, that's we're, the place where I had yeah. the soda bread, the crab, and okay, the Guinness. Okay, great, that's Hackett's where I'm going. Pub, Skull, West Cork. That's where you need to go to get okay. that amazing experience. And do they have the best Guinness? Yeah, they have really good Guinness. Okay. And they also have Murphy's there, which is the Cork equivalent of Guinness. It's like more artisan. Okay. Um, do you think that Guinness tastes good in the UK, in London? Um, it does in my pub. <laughs> I have a little I built a pub in the middle of our woods what? it's just for our family and our friends oh my God. but it's a proper pub and I have Guinness on top in there no way yeah I swear that's to God epic yeah I swear that's so cool and I do Irish nights there at Irish dancing oh that's oh my you know I'm going Irish dancing by the way no my, my lovely neighbour upstairs um, he's called Derek and he's from an Irish family and he does the proper Irish dancing not 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 the river dance the actual like and he's taking me next month oh my god! I'm so excited I don't, I don't know. I've seen a Where video. Where are you going? The London Irish Centre? Yeah. I think it, he said it's in like, is it Camden or where is it? Somewhere in London. It's um, um, Islington. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And when you are at home, you did say that you cook most nights. Where are, what are your specialities? Ooh. What did I cook last night? So last night I picked tomatoes from the garden um and then I brought them in I put some pancetta on a pan I put the tomatoes in there and kind of just pierced them um and then put olive oil in there as well oh my god well um, I put garlic in there a tiny bit of tomato puree cooked Ooh. up some um, linguine and then wrapped that all together more olive oil and fresh ricotta and fresh basil and we had that for supper and that was really Gosh. yummy actually it was just a simple Delish. supper but it was so yeah so good but then but it's going back to that conversation the simplicity is usually the most delicious, the most in, delicious in my yeah. humble opinion anyway yeah you know? I cook from the garden so it changes yeah. every night so there might be like 
know, load, like the night before that I had, we had a flank steak that I needed mm. to juice up. So I did that grilled, um, but I had it marinating in rosemary and sea salt and olive oil. I just grilled it. And then I just got loads of kale mm. and cavalinero, chopped them up really, really finely and then marinated them in chili, parmesan, loads of lemon juice and olive oil um, for about a half an hour before we had it. And it just got so good. Oh and then I made a salsa verda. And that was that. So it's all really simple, that kind of simple cooking. Um, Chloe, do I want you to adopt me? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so I always finish my conversations with a few quick fire questions. Are you yeah. ready? Yes. What, I <laughs> what is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Um, goat's balls. Wow. Yeah. I were. was not expecting that to come out of your mouth. Uh, Neither was I. <laughs> It did come out of my mouth. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that one. Um, that was in the north of Italy and a slow food with a slow at a slow food event with Carlo Petrini okay. that I was sitting beside him. Right. And I um, and they came along and was up in the north. Sorry, up in the Alps. It was freezing winter time, and it's a speciality. They have all different pieces of things fried, and this was goat's balls fried. And I crunched into them. It was kind of crunchy, and then I was like, "Ooh, what is this?" And they were like, "No." after a while worked it out over the Italian language that it was good and there was like syrup oh. inside it's so disgusting it's so disgusting no. and they were all like so interesting to use every single bit of the mm, animal yeah yeah oh, yeah so whatever sorry so important. and I was yeah, just like no, no, no. yeah so important <laughs> listen I'm all forgetting. about you know no food waste and sustainability but there's there is a line there's a line <laughs> there's a line um, what has been your most memorable meal? <laughs> Hopefully not that. <laughs> not that. My most memorable meal. Um, one of my most memorable meals, well, it was like a little picnic lunch, was when I was living in Italy and we went down to Naples and we were visiting a buffalo mozzarella farm just outside of Naples. And I was working for Slow Food at the time and we went in there and they were showing me how to make, how they make all the buffalo mozzarella. And they gave me a big thing. I remember it was like the size of my two hands cut together of a buffalo mozzarella. Um, And they gave me some bread and then we drove along to go for a swim because the coastline was nearby and we literally were going past this little village ran in I got tomatoes and I got sea salt and I bought olive oil and then we kept driving uh, went in for a swim like mm. right on the water I remember on the rocks leaving everything on the rocks and jumping into the water and coming back out and like swimming in our underwear and coming back out and then opening the bread up opening up this buffalo mozzarella that was all the most runny on the inside as I tore it and then just tearing the tomatoes apart with my hands the olive oil and sea salt and the sunshine and the you know the the, the beautiful salty sea of my lips and the buffalo mozzarella and tomatoes and having just been to the farm it was so amazing I will always remember that moment it was just one of those amazing I'm like nearly falling off my moments. chair I'm just like... yeah I want to go back and recreate it again oh my god do you know yeah. what there is something to be said for Italian food I just you can have those experiences in Italy you, yeah, can. you really yeah. can you really yeah it's one of those countries where you can do that Beautiful. it's hard to have those experiences in other countries yeah no I can, um, couldn't because they are more. so romantic the Italians they kind of almost like push you to do something like yeah. that like she they told us like yeah make sure you go for yeah. a swim here take the buffalo yeah. mozzarella do it and I was like yes you're sure. from one romantic to another romantic <laughs> off I go <laughs> 
Most important question. My favourite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your favourite flavour of crisps and why? Um, First of all, it has to be a Tato, which is an Irish Tato brand. I love them. And it has to be cheese and onion. Okay, so two (laughs) things. Number one, I tried my first Tato packet of crisps this year. Ah! Sensational. At, I'm trying to remember if it was Belfast or Dublin Airport. Yeah. Um, And... I decided to just go for a standard salt and vinegar because I thought if I'm going to go do this for the first time, I just want to go in with like my favorite generic flavor. They are very good. They are very good. I then don't know how subsequently ended up then getting sent a massive variety pack of 16 different flavor, all the different flavors. Oh my goodness. And all I'm saying is I'm trying to, you know, look after myself and literally my husband walks in and there I am with like empty crisp packets just around me. And I was like, it wasn't my fault. (laughs) They were literally, or like my little, they're my pub, so I have Why are they sat. so good? They're just, just they're delicious. So good. They're so good. I don't know why they're so good. I really don't. And so, and so cheese and onion is your favourite flavour. Cheese and onion is my favourite okay. flavour with a pint of Guinness. Yeah. I mean, be rude not to. Be rude not to. What food sums up happiness for you? Um, food that I've just picked. Mm, yeah. Food nice. that I've just picked. I like that. That's mm. a nice answer. Final question. Yeah. Live to eat or eat to live? Eat to live. No. Live to eat? Oh my God. Live it's very eat. philosophical and there's no right or wrong answer. It's however oh. you want to take the question. <laughs> Her mind is going at 100 miles an hour. Oh my God. I think I live to eat, but I also like eat to live. Okay. That's fine. I mean, I'm happy to accept that. that I, pr- okay? I prefer one answer, but it's, I get it. It's cool. It's it's an interesting one. Double I think, Jeopardy. Yeah, well, exactly. But it's, you know, some people, how I see it is, I'm eat to live. No, no, sorry. Oh my God. What's going on? What I'm are getting you? All no, I'm live to eat. I, I live to eat. Yes. So for me, because I look at eat to live as looking at food as like fuel. Because you're eating in order to live, because we have to eat in order to live. I mean, but then also but important then, to see food as fuel. I know, I know. Body. So this is what I'm saying. It's a very, it's, it's a very a big, hard. it's a big, um, especially it's a big one. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> I love it because it does, because people are like, you can see the questions are quite fun to begin with. And yeah. then suddenly they were like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so and I true. always like to leave it on that. So you'll leave me and you'll be like, <gasps> I need to just really think about this one. <laughs> Cloda, thank you so much for joining me in my home. This has been such a pleasure of mine. Um, If we were drinking, I would have then got drunk and I would have um, delighted you with my Irish accent. We're not going to do that because I can't bear. And I'll do an English one when you do a line. Okay, wait, hold on. Oh no, this is so embarrassing. Say to me, I'd love a pint of Guinness and I'll tell you that I would love a cup of tea. Okay, wait. I'd I'd love a pint of Guinness. Oh, Joe, I'd love a cup of tea. <laughs> Can we? And it's been marvellous, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go and get drunk now because I'm absolutely ravenous and starving as well. <laughs> Brilliant. And we're going to cut there. Thank you so much, Cloda. Until next time. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.